Welcome Home Radio Podcast. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Our team is here with answers to guide you through the buying and selling process. We encourage you to ask questions. Please comment on this show or visit us at welcomehomeradio.net for more information. Bringing real estate, lending, and education together in one place and to help you make the right home decision for you and your family. Here are your hosts, Blair Thomas, Tom Holm, Alan Pace, and Jeff Duffy. And welcome to Welcome Home Radio, where real estate lending and learning come together. It is March 29th. Boy, what a month has come by, and I hope your March Madness bracket is not blown up like mine. So, hoping y'all are doing well out there. We're going to have a fun day today because we're going to play Mortgage Bingo. We've got a bingo card, and we're going to pick some squares and discuss and talk about them. If you're watching this show, follow us on welcomehomeradio.net or any of the local podcasts you can find. Ask your questions there. And if you have a square you want to discuss, bring those questions to us. We'll jump right on them. So let's play Mortgage Bingo. Welcome, guys. How are y'all doing today? Good morning. Howdy. All right. We got our squares here, and I'm going to pick the first one. I, I'm just going to go out there. I want to find, under E, find a real estate agent. So how do we go about finding a real estate agent? What is the process you would do? Well, since I am one, I just you look in the one? mirror and go, how can I help you? I was, I was thinking yellow pages, but I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking maybe go hang out at the pizza shop, have pizza with Tom. Well, I, it, let's get so serious. It's not, it's not in the paper. <laughs> the, the the bottom line is you ask your best friend. You ask people that are that that you consider wise or will get shoot you straight. You ask somebody. You generally get a referral. And ninety five percent of my business is referral. That is exactly right. It's aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, husbands, wives. Friends, immediate friends, best friends, college relative, college friends, high school friends. It's it's that kind of a thing. And then, of course, when you do a good job for somebody, you're referred by that person to their sphere of influence. That's generally how a real estate agent is found. Occasionally, it's found through good advertising, good marketing plan. People come out of the cold woodwork, don't have anybody to talk to. Good looks. They will, and that's that really helps me a lot too, Tom. Thanks. And then, um, you know, they'll come to you. So, and that's why I do the to the point videos. It's not necessarily people I know, but it's complete strangers that reach out and ask questions. And and again, asking, I think this is the biggest start because an agent's going to be with you from the very start to the very end. They're they're going to be the ones that hand you the keys, and they're going to help you guide you through the process. There's going to be two critical people that you're going to be in personal contact with and know by the end of this way, which is a real estate agent and your lender. True. Would y'all agree with that? Those are the two front people. And generally what people don't know behind those people, there is anywhere from 26 to 32 additional people working on your file, working on your loan, your wants to the best of their possibilities to achieve the goal that you have. But the two go-to people you work with is a real estate agent and a lender. Would y'all agree with all that? 
Yep. I thought Tom was leaving when you were talking, Tom uh, or Alan. I mean, I thought I saw him walk through the door and leave, and I thought he was he was going to go ask his wife, "What do I do in this case? I, who do we ask for a real estate agent?" I, I just had no idea. Or actually, <laughs> or actually, my dog was saying, "Let me out." <laughs> I'm tired of these voices in my head. Leave. I, I'm not getting the rest I deserve. <laughs> Well, what else do we want to add to this? Find a real estate agent. There are specialties. If you're looking for land or ranch, of course, you're going to have your specialties in that area. Uh, Alan, they go, you also have specialties dealing with uh, multi-million dollar homes, luxury homes, as they call, or condominiums. I mean, are there other specialties we need to be aware of if we're asking? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of specialties in real estate. And honestly, all realtors don't do all specialties. Um, you know, I've frequently handed off um, a couple different type situations. Now I'll get a referral fee. But um, if it's a big land track, a lot of land um, in areas that I don't go to. But since I'm their realtor, they'll come to me first. And then I'll do the research and I'll find the right person for them with land. That's for sure. And then um, there's other things, uh, not just in sales, but a lot of realtors don't really do a lot with the leasing part of it. Um, I know Tom buys properties and probably does his own marketing and he finds his own clients. Do you, is that true, Tom? That would be true. Yeah. So there's Nothing that like sign in the yard, Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other specialties, relocations, a specialty. Um, you have, large companies and some are not monster companies, but most of your big companies have relocation packages for their important employees. And uh, they'll have a program set up with their own national uh, real estate team. And so there's that. So yeah, there's a lot, there's just a lot of different, um, a lot of different specialties in real estate and luxury is another one. I mean, when somebody gets in the luxury market, they usually stay there. They'll hand off their occasional, you know, half million dollar sale to one of the uh, rookie team members, something like that. But, um, you know, that's the upper so end luxury or two to $20 million homes, um, that's a specialty for sure. And uh, the people that do that, uh, it's where they cut their teeth and it's where they make their money and they make a lot. Good. Well, I think we've taken that bingo square. So let's go back to the bingo board. Tom, you pick a square, please. Oh, I knew you'd call on me next. <laughs> Did we lose our bingo card? It's coming, I'm sure. It's I can coming, feel it. I can, sure. I, can, I can feel it. I know the middle one's welcome home. I remember that. Well, that's the one I was going to pick. <laughs> there you go. Go for it, Tom. Well, I was going to pick that one. So let's talk welcome home. Good choice. Well, that's the free card. That's the free space. You get that no matter what. With oh, working with us, you get welcome home anyway. Okay. Well, I've got my big marker out to mark it. So. Well, our our production manager must be out and about away from the screen, so he's not able to change us and give us our bingo card. But uh, I know I remember one of them. One of I them was, "What is a title company?" Ooh. Oh, really? Oh, ooh, yep. ooh, what is?
is a title company. Can anybody so, here answer Alan, that? I don't know if anybody company. can answer that. I, I, I will try. I'll step in and try. As uh, this is, uh, you guys, I think I'll know. This is my thirtieth year in the title business, so they haven't kicked me out yet. I didn't know they had title that long. I was going to say, what did they used to do that when they were selling caves, or what, what was that doing? Insurance on caves. You know the. Uh, the Tom, Tom you were that. back then, so what do you? You already know that. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. We still have the books in our plant. What we call our plant is our research facility. But you, we still have the giant books where handwritten cards to go back and record the very first deed as far as from sovereignty, for example, here in the state of Texas. So when those first deeds were handed out, we have the ability uh, to go back and research those. But I... I, wait, I wait, 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 wait. What's sovereignty? Help me. The beginning. From the very first. This is a very, uh, where do properties begin? In Remember Texas? the Alamo. There you go. <laughs> Not even been before that. Uh, what is a title company? Well, primarily we issue a title policy. And uh, for the homeowner, that policy is to protect you and the interest that you have in that property from the time that you buy that property till you are pass that interest on to someone else or i.e. sell that property. So um, I've always liked to explain it in that where you have your homeowner's coverage and your auto coverage, that is going through and protecting you of things that may happen in the future. You get into an automobile accident. The, the you know, worst springtime in Texas, hailstorms are prevalent, right? Tornadoes, you name it. So if there's those are protecting your property moving forward if there's damage to either of those items where we as a title company, that insurance policy is protecting you backwards. So if Farmer Jones had a chunk of land 50 to 100 years ago and his children and his heirs came back and said, hey, this was a forgery. We never completely and actually sold this part of our land. Then that's where a title policy comes into play to protect you as the current owner of that property. And yes, forgeries are one of the biggest issues that we as a title company uh, face and deal with on a daily basis. You know, that that is really every email I get from a title company has so many disclosures on or disclaimers, let's say, you know, we never ask for money via email or, you know, you got so many things on there now about forgery and it just it just exploded, didn't it? It has. Well, and what has really exploded Think about, let's just keep it residential. And uh, 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 my office does residential and commercial. We have a very large commercial department as well. But let's say if we have 100 transactions a month that we are overseeing just in residential, um, here's what's been happening in the last couple of years. It's, it's wire fraud. And that's where our biggest challenges are right now. Last year in our entity alone, as far as fidelity, there were over 8 million attempts at wire fraud. So when, wow. when we're dealing with you, when we're dealing with you as a buyer or seller and we send protected encrypted emails to you and people think, oh, that's such a pain in the butt to deal with. It's in your best interest uh, to, to go through those steps in that process. Because what is happening is through all the email and communication that goes on through a transaction, whether it be mine, whether it be you, Alan's or somebody involved in that transaction, these folks are sitting across the world at their laptop and just watching these emails because they've hacked your email because 
you clicked on some link or some <laughs> connection that you know where they were already attached to you and what they'll do is at the very end of the transaction where let's say alan your seller is has sent me this is where i want you to send my proceeds of let's say it's one hundred and eighty five thousand dollars well mr fraudster will grab that email send a separate one that looks exactly the same and go oh i changed my mind jeff i want you to wire my funds to this account and just like that, if I don't call and pay attention or call and give a verbal verification, that money is gone. So uh, that's one of our biggest challenges that we're, we're handling as far as a title company of late. But going back to what we do, we issue a title policy. That's primarily what we do. Uh, the other aspect I'll use as a, as a, a mindset is like you think of a, a wheel, like there's spokes of a wheel. So there's your lender involved, your realtor involved you know, survey companies, insurance companies, we communicate through the transaction and uh, work with everyone to make sure we're ready and, and have everything for your closing. Well, I have a question. If I'm, your fees are so much sometimes, can I refuse to have title work on this and, and not use a title company? So uh, you can, if you're paying cash, a title policy is not a requirement of the state. I think you'd be silly to not obtain that for your investment. But if you were buying a property with cash, you can absolutely say, I do not want a title policy. Now, I'm not going to be closing that transaction. You'd, you'd more, you might take it through a different office or through an attorney's office. Uh, they will more likely close it for you. But a title policy is requirement of if you're borrowing half a million dollars from a bank, they're the ones that say, I want you to be protected from this home ownership. So I know my investment in you and loaning you this uh, amount of money is protected as well as much as possible. I wanted to put that out there so that we were aware or not aware because sometimes people get so price conscious, cost conscious, this is right. not an option. And right. lenders require that if we're gonna loan, I don't even, it's not a half a million, I think a hundred thousand, we still wanna know that collateral is secure and that we're doing a transaction that's completed. So, right. Uh, and, and keep in mind as well with that, we are regulated by the Texas Department of Insurance as we are an insurance entity. Um, and so the, the state, the Texas Department of Insurance sets the rate of what that title policy cost is. So it doesn't matter if you're coming to my team, if you're going to XYZ title or Joe Blow title, that title policy will have the same cost. The only effective fees you might see a little difference in is the escrow fee. And those really vary generally about a hundred hundred fifty dollars per transaction so it's it's not a huge variance but okay. well, else bingo why would we pick you over somebody else so let me ask that one last question since you left it open like that it's communication that's a simple fact uh the difference in a title company and who you're dealing with is the as i mentioned the hub of a wheel and all the spokes of everybody involved it's knowing that my team is talking to Blair, is talking to Alan, is talking to your insurance company. So that is all making sure everything is effectively ready to go when it comes time to that closing date. And reputation too, Tom, I'm sure you know this, but realtors rely on that a lot. Ease of use, communication with our clients, that all matters. And it, like a lot of realtors don't answer the phone the first time. Sometimes that happens with other businesses too. And the last thing you need is a lack of communication. So. The reputations of title companies are big when it comes to realtors. And um, I think also I've actually had clients 
ask for a certain title company if we can get it. So that happens too. Well, and let me do just one again. I want our listeners to understand the importance of title companies and reputations. Great. Uh, one additional uh, it's important, obviously, but one additional thing, is there a website like there is with Trek and the NMLS website that we can actually look up a company or a closer to see if there have been complaints of, about them or anything like that? Is there a regulatory body through TDI or? Through TDI, there, there is a way to do that, yes. I don't have that link right off the top of my head, but yes, that, that is possible. But you, you could, in general, go to the TDI website and look up and see if there's been problems with that particular company or they've had things they've dealt with in the past. Absolutely. Okay. And, and see, it's not, here's the fun part of it too. It's not just the amount of do issues happen, they happen. It's just also then who's going to make sure effectively that it's taken care of, cleaned up and ready to go. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest differences as well. Fidelity is the largest underwriter in the nation. So um, if I need to take care of a claim and we need to correct something, we have the ability to do it very quickly. And one last little thing, I've had clients that are overseas, um, you know, and some title companies aren't as good as others when it comes to working with other countries um, in embassies, things like that. Um, I'm sure Jeff's experienced that. So um, that's a part of it clients, too. I have clients that are investors in Vietnam and Japan. I mean, there's quite a few, you know, a time difference as well. Where yep. in the past, especially before COVID, don't we all like saying the C word? <laughs> but uh, we would typically send them to the embassy. Now we yep. have the ability to do a RON, which is a remote online notary. So as long as right. you have uh, a camera, a good Wi-Fi signal, you can be sitting anywhere literally in the world and we can make a closing happen. Just to let you know, Jeff helped close a deployed combat veteran on his home while he was deployed in a combat zone. Mm -hmm. So uh, fully trust and if somebody's going to get it done and figure out a way, Jeff was able to do that. So I think we've covered that. Uh, if, oh. if our program managers, oh, yes, sir. No, no, no. It's mortgage uh, process uh, bingo card. Is it up again? I don't know. There it is. Oh, Pat, Pat, I want to do you for 500, please. You for 500. Get appraisal results? Sign disclosures. Sign oh. disclosures. Oh, boy. What well, what's that? the difference between a. a my, my sign is Aquarius, by the way. <laughs> what's the difference between a loan estimate and a closing disclosure oh okay oh. I, thought meant, I thought you meant real estate signs <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference are you uh what is the difference between uh the le and the cd that's right okay so the loan estimate is basically how we start off with the process to give you initial breakdown of cost. They used to call the loan estimate the good faith estimate. And the industry didn't really have a good faith estimate per se until 2010 that everybody had to use. No, they had an estimate. It wasn't in good faith is what you're saying. It, it, it was in crummy faith. <laughs> 
not not in good faith. It was in questionable faith. We'll put it that way. But um, as of 2015, October of that year, they came up with what they call the LE, and that's now a required situation. And actually, Jeff mentioned this in uh, earlier about the fact that, um, or you had as well, uh, that uh, when we get a an estimate from a lender. They're quoting us what it will cost us and give, giving us a guarantee as long as we do not change the product. In other words, we go from a conventional loan and call them back and say, no, I want to do FHA. As long as it's the same product, that estimate they give us is good for 10 business days, which allows us to go shop for a loan with the uh, loan estimate, which is really the strength of that tool that, was not there previous to prior to 2015. And then the closing disclosure is our final disclosure for our costs. It's done in relationship, of course, to the LE. A matter of fact, on the CD, it actually quotes your initial cost on the LE and tells you how much it varies from that initial quote on the closing disclosure on the CD itself. The neat thing about the CD, which is something that was always needed in this industry that just was not not consistently done by title companies and by lenders in this process was to give you the closing statement in advance. And currently the the regulations say that we're supposed to have the CD, at least the initial closing disclosure, at least three business days before consummation. So in the good old days, I'd drive up to Jeff's office, and sure enough, the first time I ever saw my bottom line was when I walked into the uh, conference room. And that's not necessarily his fault, but that was, you know, everybody's fault in the process. They weren't hel- held accountable to tell you what your bottom line's going to be. And as such, that bottom line on a CD, now you're guaranteed to at least have the initial closing disclosure cost given to you three business days prior to consummation before you go in and close. You have to acknowledge that you have seen that through a signature so and that they can close. That That is correct. And at at the final moments of, of doing everything, technically the rule says on the loan estimate, you don't have to sign anything. The lender has to prove it's been delivered. On the closing disclosure, that same rule applies. But there's not a title company out there that will say, well, we, we can, we'll testify to the fact that we gave them this form. They're going to make you sign the form in order to execute the uh, closing disclosure form. Even though technically by rule, nobody has to sign either the LE or the CD, it's the job of the lender to prove that it was delivered. Okay. You know, I, real quick, just going back to the good good old days, I always love that term, but it was so amazing how some people would come in and sit down at closing and their closing cost has jumped $3,000, sometimes $1,500 or $2,000. Just the look on their face was unfortunate when that's a lot of money. When everything it costs to get into a house and all of a sudden you have to bring in that much more money. So hey, the, we, just, we, the things that are done differently now uh, are really a huge advantage and good for the for the consumer. Well, we had their bank statement. We knew, we knew that they had no another $3,000. That's right. 
They didn't know it. <laughs> Man, no laugh on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I guess that one was a little serious. <laughs> Oops. We're trying to forget the good old days, Tom. My bad. Yeah, I live in the good old days. I you still what. live there. I know. <laughs> That's not happy days either. Yeah, right. No Fonzie here. But no, acknowledgement of CD is so critical. And here's a question of dealing with it. I, I get very frustrated sometimes, but why do we wait until we get clear to close to balance the CD? Why does that take, why is that one of the last things that we do? And, I, and I'm taking that on for my, my folks as well. Why is it we wait till that? Why can't we balance that CD, you know, eight days out, nine days out? Why do we wait for that last minute? What do you think, Jeff? Um, why? That's, well, for me, from the title side of it, we're waiting for what we feel like is everything being organized from the lending side because we have to wait. We're following their rules. I mean, let's look at it this way. Like we said earlier, you know, there's such a huge part of obtaining a home, obviously. They have the money. So when you're going to a bank or to a mortgage entity, the money's coming from them. We're, we're playing their game at that point. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all, but it, it's it's positive. Sounds like he's trying to hit it back at us. Okay. So, yeah. Tom, what is <laughs> like the reasoning? Duh, what do you think he's going to do? Jeez. Well, I didn't think he'd, he, he, you know, I didn't think he would hit it back as, as hard as he would, but, you know. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Should I just should I, I, I just say I don't know? <laughs> I will tell you why. Your closers in your closing department don't want to. They're usually rated on the number of CDs they sent out, and in audit situations, the QC people internally look at and say, "Why did you have five iterations of the CD?" And the long, the sooner, the further you go out, the more possibility that there will be future iterations that. You know, varied a hundred bucks, two thousand bucks, ten bucks, a hundred bucks. They want to try to do that and compress that all into those last three days. Good to know. That's and good. I guess there's that that little logical thing that says if something should go wrong with the loan or the or the borrower, you won't even need any of it. <laughs> that, that's that is the sad <laughs> that's the sad story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's their grind cup and that. made it half empty. Okay, so we've I think we we've, we've done uh, you for five hundred enough. Can we get our bingo card back up there? Oh, this is Jeff. Fun. What is what? Which one do you want to hit? I want to go with uh, get a home inspection. Aha. It's H. Get a home inspection. H for five hundred. So why would somebody want to get a home inspection? This is bingo or Jeopardy. It's a, kind of a bingo Jeopardy board. It's a bingo Jeopardy thing. There's no, there's no flipping over the questions. So you're like, like avoid large purchases. Well, okay. well at least we have to. Yeah, at least we don't have to answer with a question. Answer with a question. Do avoid large purchases? Yes, I want to avoid. <laughs> We'll just have to call Blair. Why? <laughs> so, a good a good question. Why do we want to get a home inspection since we have an appraisal done by the lender on the home? What is the home inspection for? Why would we get one? 
Well, I, for me, I, the first thing out of my mouth is when we get, you know, a contract is you got to get it for a buyer. That is, you, you got to get an inspection. You really don't know what you're buying when you walk through a house. All you see is what you see. And um, generally good advice is if you can see a few things wrong as you're walking through, then Lordy, what do you, there must be a lot of stuff wrong for things you don't see because the seller doesn't care about it. So for one thing, you get an inspection to do your diligence to make sure you're buying what you want to buy. It's the kind of house you want to buy and it doesn't have a lot of problems. Because you do have a you have a remedy to find problems and get them addressed during an option period, which is a, a diligence period in every real estate contract. Well, not everyone, but in most of them. And you have time to get things fixed. But if you don't know what to fix, um, you know, that's a bad thing. But you want to know what you're buying is the bottom line. So why wouldn't a seller do a home inspection before he puts the home up to on the market? Disclosure. You have to disclose what you find. And if you find something bad, you, you know, when I say bad, I don't mean like chip paint or, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, if you find, if, if an inspector comes in and says your AC is on the brink or, you know, your foundation your AC really is poisoning work, your folks. What's that? If your AC is poisoning your folks because, you know, those converters in the, uh, -huh. uh yeah, the heater, they can be poisoning people in the house. That, well, we don't want to kill anybody, but it's, for sure you have to tell people what you found. There's such a thing as a, a seller disclosure. And you within a certain period of time, I think it's four years, you have to provide any previous inspections to the home, to the potential buyer. So are you really, what you're saying is the sellers are going to roll the dice to see if the buyer's inspector finds something or not? If it's a premium home great sellers, everything's up to date, it's sought after, that kind of thing, then they're going to do it with no risk uh, to them. Uh, they're probably in a position where they don't need to sell, but they'll do it. There is no risk to them. It's going to come out good. And then they're going to try to use that as a reasoning why if you ask for repairs, they're not going to do it. But, you know, good advice for any, um, any buyer is to do your own inspection Never rely on a seller inspection. And, um, you know, that's just good advice. What is the difference between an inspection and an appraisal? Uh, well, I guess everybody can answer that. But it's, you know, to me, it's it's totally two different things. Um, appraisals have to do with lending. And lending has to do with how much money we're going to give the, the buyer to buy a house. And... Uh, condition of house matters, different things with different loans matter. Um, wood rot with a, you know, FHA loan, that's a no-no. Um, conventional loan, you know, it's different. But, you know, to me, inspection is all about buyer protection. Appraisal can be too um, for FHA, VA guys. That's about the only thing I can put them together with. It's protect the buyer. But um, other than that, um, two different things for me. Yeah, they are two different things. The inspection really is for the buyer themselves. Do they like the condition? Is there something they find? The appraisal is to establish a value of the property because it is being used as the collateral on the loan. So the lender wants to know from a professional viewpoint, 
is the property of value for what we're lending on. It could come in higher and that means you have gained equity. It could come in lower and that causes a renegotiation of the contract. Which protects the buyer. Right. That protects the buyer. But where the appraisal protects the lender, the inspection protects the buyer. Would you add anything else to that, guys? Did we lose Tom? Because he doesn't know he's playing bingo and Jeopardy at the same time? (laughs) Are you saying Tom for 100? Well, before just, we the only other comment about uh, the, you know the appraisal itself, uh, because it, it you know it's it's not related to an inspection. the The appraisal itself is the basis of value by which the lender determines what they will loan on the property. So, if the appraisal is actually higher than the sales price, they're not going to use the appraisal for value. They're going to use the sales price. If the appraisal is less than the sales price then that's what the lender is going to base their loans off of is the lower of the two. So I just want to make that side comment because some people think, well, it appraised for 105 and I wrote a contract for 100. That lender, he should give me $5,000 worth of equity because I'm getting it for a deal. Well, and of course, he talks just like that when they talk to you. Uh, but the reality is that's not the case. The, the appraisal comes in as a, an opinion of value. The lender uses the lesser of the appraised price or sales price to determine what they're going to loan you. It's a shame the tax uh, county doesn't use that uh, smaller value either. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, if well, I you can it, bet your insurance company does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different topic all to itself right now. Oof. Exactly. Oh, my God. Hey, yeah, one, we one show on house insurance again. I do. I think it's good for people to know and keep in mind, too. If you're building a home, once again, Alan, do you not suggest Blair still have an inspection? And an inspector in that case will go along through the process of building that home. And even though your builder has the, the foreman, they have everybody there, they're still human beings and people will do things wrong that you might not find out till after everything is done. So an inspector assisting you along the way, watching every phase, even if the city is coming through, their inspections are a little different in the aspect of protecting you uh, with the certain things. And city inspector or whomever, you, you guys may have somebody more specific than I'm m- mentioning. But even if you're building a home, don't assume I don't need an inspector. It's a great idea for your protection. Well, and add to that, you should do an inspection 11 months into your new home ownership. Because you get a one-year unconditional warranty on a new home. And uh, what you want to do is have your inspector go in there month 11, do a total inspection, and then give that inspection with all the problems that were, you know, not caused by you as a homeowner, but might be defective um, from a builder standpoint. A great way. Great use of the inspection is that 11 months. That is so true. Well, we're going to come up to our final bingo square. So if we could get our bingo card back up. I think I'd really like to go into S and do determined budget. Would that be S for 100, Alex? It says for 100. S for 50, not mm-hmm. 100. He's choosing the cheapy one. <laughs> this I is a cheap bingo SOS. card. <laughs> So what do you mean? What do we mean by determine a budget? 
because people sometimes they always ask me what is my max availability what what can i borrow at the max and is that that's not always a good thing because going into it you, your monthly mortgage may be something you're very uncomfortable for even though you can afford it or going into the max wait a minute what about electricity what about hoa dues what about taking care of the property the landscaping the interior you running the uh, the electronics and or air conditioning so what do we mean by determine a budget well i you know it's it it's different with different clients um first time home buyers uh, a budget is most folks are just the budget's all about can i afford the home period you know and and they have a budget and your lender obviously blair you're involved with that budget and you help determine um what they safely can afford it reduces their risk it reduces the risk of you the lender and it's just good fiscal sense so there's that um when you have other folks who are building their own home on a track of land and getting a builder loan through a through you blair it's a process it's a different kind of budget and so it's just different scenarios for everybody but in general the the word is try to you know you got to do what you can afford everybody makes a different amount of money it can be that simple i just can't uh, i just can't afford more than this and so that could technically be your budget there's others that have money that you know different type money and they their budget might be an elected budget but they truly can afford more and then they have to make a decision on what really is their budget so there's two different distinctions one that has a budget that that's just it and then there's other budgets that can be changed because they can afford a different budget so they have a little more flexibility well i think it comes down to what are you comfortable with what are you not and uh, as I talk to people, I find more and more that people want that lower monthly payment uh, as much as possible. But sometimes other people want to go into a home as inexpensively as possible and what they can afford because they're putting their money somewhere else. It's working for them somewhere or they have a different plan. They may not be in this home forever. Um, so there's many ways to approach it, but approaching it, asking a, a realtor, as well as a lender, what can I do? What are the questions I need to be asking myself? I think is always critical to help determine that budget that they're comfortable with. And the and the thing is, oh, I want to do this. My wife's not going to be on the loan. Well, wait a minute. It might be a better budget if she is on the loan, if she is available to be on there, because those factors we have talked about in the past, whether a better interest rate, two borrowers definitely get an edge on interest rate where one borrower sometimes does not. So again, those risk factors, right, Tom? It does come down to risk. Always risk. Always well, it's money. Risk. That's all I think about is risk. But risk you know, there of is being on this show, risk of talking <laughs> with you guys, risk of my hair growing back. Oh, that is. Well, a I don't know if that's a risk. <laughs> that's called wishful thinking. Look at <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. Turn down the waxing there, Tom. Turn down yeah. the waxing. R rub it in there, Alan. 
I'm you right know, behind the, you, buddy. Bet you know the, when you're a first time home buyer, and I always like to talk about them because they're special. It's a big time in their life. Um, some are young, some are old, and th- what they are happy about is they got approved. And I think two weeks ago we talked in our show about interest rates and the different cost of, associated with that with buying. Um, but you know, really, I'll take my own experience. My first home, me and my wife, all we got was yes, and we got the next thing that really caught our eye was not how much it was going to cost in thirty years. It was that year, 30 years from now, are we going to live that long? <laughs> you know, it's like you see these things on paper and you're like, wow, I'm growing up. You know, so it was like, well, you know, we, let's we not take just, it that far. We That's true. We were just happy that we could get a loan. We were happy that we could buy a home. We didn't care about how much it was going to cost us for 30 years, blah, 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 blah. All we cared about was yes. I can't wait to tell somebody to come on over to our house and let's go buy a couch. Gosh, wouldn't that be cool? Alan, so, along with the, the yes, I remember with my wife and our first home, it was, you approved me for how much? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about budgeting, you know, the sticker shocking things, when you get those approvals, that can change things quickly on yeah, you. Yeah, don't, don't say that out loud. My, my wife can't hear that number. No, please. Yeah, we had the sheet curtains. We did everything. We we just, we got in. But the main thing is, and I think it was Blair's point a couple of weeks ago, he kept saying, you're building equity. And we were in, we didn't have nice furniture and we didn't have fancy blinds, but time went on and we did very well on that home. We made equity and we did get furniture and blinds eventually, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was just a unique experience. And I think that's the biggest thing is, getting the word yes. And that's really what you care about first time out, I think. Yeah, I had the U-Haul box curtains as well. Yep. In my first home. Yep. I'll throw out one additional thing that uh, isn't done very much in our industry that I wish was more of a common practice is encouraging those people who've never owned a home to go and get a first time home buyer education course. They're provided for us in so many different ways. TDHCA does them, Dallas Housing Authority, Fort Worth Housing Authority. And if they do cost, there are minimal costs. Many of them are provided free. And basically, it's a Saturday morning, typical four-hour type situation. They sit down and they listen to people talk about the process. And most important, if they run into problems, what to do if there is a problem owning that house, because that is one of the things that have been statistically shown is the most you know, debilitating piece. People get behind on their mortgage payment and they think it's the end of the world. I'm going to have to move. And they're thinking about all these horrible results because they missed a payment. And in reality, the lender, the last thing they want is that house back. They're going to work with them as best they can. But that's just part of that home buyer education process that I wish we were more in tune with so we could live in a nice home like uh, Blair does. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, you did, I'd like to see Blair play that piano. <laughs> that that would be interesting. I bet you Blair slept on that couch plenty of times, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not okay, even going to poke money with that. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed Mortgage Bingo with you guys. I think we'll be doing it again next show. Yeah, that was um, fun. That's fun. A good time, good discussion. Again, follow us on welcomehomeradio.net. You can find all of our episodes there. If you have questions, please follow us there as well as click and like and everything on all the podcasts. We're on 13 different podcasts. So we look forward to our next time together. I'm Blair Thomas. I'm Tom Holm with Champion School of Real Estate. And I'm a real estate agent, Alan Pace. And I'm Jeff Duffy with Fidelity National Title. God bless. Have a good one. Welcome home radio production provided by Lunatic Digital. Check the listing of this podcast for the links to our sponsors. And don't forget to like, share, and follow us on social media. Visit welcomehomeradio.net for more information. This was a Lunatic Digital production. Visit lunaticdigital.com for all your digital needs.